Welcome to the Treeleaf Zendo podcast. Treeleaf is a Soto Zen Sangha available anytime, anywhere at treeleaf.org. Come sit with us. Lovely. I thought uh, we'd talk today about some of the chants, little chants that we always do around the Sangha, uh, especially for maybe our newer folk, those taking Jukai. They may recite them here, and we should take a moment to reflect on what they mean. And we could actually start with the one we just recited, the verse to open the sutras, the verse to open the teachings. And it just contains a lovely teaching, and that is that the Dharma, the truth, or what the Buddha was teaching, or whatever it is we're looking for in this practice, is always right here, but we rarely see it. This practice, these teachings are a way to open our eyes to see what has already, always, timelessly been here. And we just don't see it sometimes, or most of the time. That's what we just chanted. And hopefully these teachings, these chants, will help us see some more truths, such as the verse of atonement, which we recite at the end of all our Zazen Kai. Uh, Some folks recite it every day, because we do things we maybe should not do every day, even with the best of intentions. Even maybe a saint sometimes kills a mosquito. Everybody does something. And for 2,500 years, this has been one of the oldest chants or practices in Buddhism. There are many ways to do it. We do a very short version. But in the Buddha's day, he thought this is a good chance for everyone to gather every two weeks on the full moon to recite a longer ceremony, basically that says the same thing. Somehow it's actually more like our uh, Jukai ceremony. They recite the precepts, and then there's a time for confession and a time for forgiveness. Some very bad transgressions were not so easy to forgive then people had to leave being a monk in those days. You know, if uh, that's a subject for another time. But basically, there are things we do, small things and large things, that we need to atone for, reflect on, make better, heal. That's what this verse is about. You know, There are serious things and minor things that we all do. So let's talk about that um, for a moment. This speaks about karma. All harmful words, thoughts, and acts ever committed by me since of old 
on account of beginningless greed, anger, and ignorance, born of my body, mouth, and mind. Now I atone for them all. Now, in traditional views in India, karma were the intentional, volitional acts, we say, intentional acts, words and thoughts that we would do that would result in either a good or bad rebirth in the next life. You'd kind of have a bank account. You know, Christianity talks about St. Peter, and you get up to the gates, and he reads the list, and he said, hmm, that was pretty good. You did that, but uh, at one thing, sorry, you're going down or you're going up. Believe it or not, Buddhism was very much the same. We had hells. We had heavens. If you were very, very good, you'd go up to heaven. But even that was temporary until that's another story for another day. But if you're very bad, you go down to hell. Fortunately, that was temporary, too. And you get another chance. The best place to be was a human being, because that's when you could choose your, your course and realize the Buddhist teachings. Someone asked me the other day, as I participate on a Buddhist forum called, uh, what is it, Dharma Wheel? What is it called? I suddenly forgot the name. And it's all filled with Buddhists, many Westerners, many Asians, Tibetans, Tibetan Buddhists, Tendai Buddhists, Shingon Buddhists, various Zen people, Pure Land people, and we all talk about Buddhism. And there are all kinds of different interpretations. So one fellow asked me, well, the judge Yama, that's uh, the Buddhist St. Paul, when you have your trial, there's actually a court trial at the gates of hell. And he decides your punishment. How does that work? Is he real? And how does he get the information? Is, where's his list? Like Santa Claus, you know, checking his list. You know that song? You better watch out. Better not cry. Because the good things and the bad things go on the list. And the good little boys and girls get their presents. Well, it's very much like that. So he asked, is that real? And I said, frankly, I'm skeptical. Modern thinker. Modern. But I don't know. You know what? It's not important to me. Why? Be good in this life. Be gentle in this life. If there's a next life and a trial before Yama, he's going to look and say, were you gentle in this life? Okay, be gentle in this life. And if there's no Yama or no hell or no heaven in the next world, I don't know, still be gentle in this life. Why? Because I see people create heavens and hells around them all the time in this world, for themselves and for other people. Be gentle, be forgiving, be nonviolent, don't be greedy. That's what this chant is about. It says, the greed, the anger and the ignorance creates suffering for ourselves and those around us, and we must atone for it. We must say, I'm sorry, reflect on it. Heal what we can. 
move forward, make our life and the world we live in a little better. Very simple chant, common sense. Someone wrote to me and they said, you know, um, 20 years ago I was an alcoholic and I killed someone with my car. And I carry that with me every day. What can I do? And I said, that's the karma you carry. You see, karma is not every bad thing you do. If you accidentally kill someone, according to traditional karmic beliefs, you're not really responsible if it's an accident. But if it was intentional or very, very, very negligent to the point of intention, then you're responsible. And first I thought, what, the universe makes that distinction? But then I went to law school. Do you know the law makes the same distinction? In criminal law, you're only responsible for the acts you do intentionally or things you are so incredibly careless about, it's the same as being intentional. Driving a car while drunk is such a high degree of intention. We hold people criminally responsible. Of course, getting angry and shooting somebody in the criminal law, we hold them responsible. But, you know, if I'm sleeping and I accidentally roll over and, I don't know, do something and accidentally kill someone I had no intent, you're not responsible in the criminal law in any country that I know of, in the West at least. Well, it's the same here. You're responsible for the intentional things or the very, very negligent things to the point of intention. He drank, he killed someone with his car. He will carry that karma for the rest of his life. And he said, how do I make that better? What do I do? And I said, when we've done something like that in the past, you can try to do something to heal. Maybe if that person had a child and they're struggling to get through school, you can make sure that they have money to get to school, something to pay that debt. Because karma is about the debt for the harmful things we do. But if there's no way to fix those things in the past, what do we do? I say, maybe you can do something else for another person, another child to fight and make this world better, fighting drunk driving in the world, making our roads safer, doing something to make someone's world better because karma really spoke about a balance sheet. When you went to the judge Yama, if you had bad stuff here, you could outweigh it by doing good stuff. It kind of canceled out. It's a balance sheet. And whether you believe that it's a real balance sheet in the sky, I think it's a true in our hearts. If you've done something in the past, it may be too late to fix that. But we learn, we reflect, we promise not to do it again. We move forward and we do something to balance the scales. That's karma. And whether there's a Judge Yama who's going to, or a St. Paul, well, if you just do that here in this life, it'll take care of itself. So that's what I, I advise that person. And he's been working, I believe, for things like uh, education for small children and uh, traffic safety. 
for years and has probably saved. He lost, he killed somebody. Probably through his work, he has saved hundreds of people indirectly through what he has done. That's karma. Okay? There's another thing about karma. We atone. We also add one karma. There's a view, whenever you're dealing with Zen, there are all these, these two views. There was never anyone to kill from the first. There was never any wrong that could be done from the beginning. There are no separate people. There's no me. There's no automobile. There's no highway. There's no accident. There's no car possible in the great wholeness and unity that is. Part of our practice is to realize there is no karma because there's never any way to cause harm from the start. Take my word for it, if you haven't tasted it yet. If there is a wholeness with nothing lacking, you can't take anything from it. You can't add anything to it. Part of our practice is to experience that. But you have to do both in this practice. You have to taste that wholeness where there is never anything possible to steal, to kill, to be greedy about. How can you be greedy about something that is already whole and complete with nothing lacking? But at the same time in this life, if your heart is filled with greed and anger, you'll never taste it. So we live both ways. We atone and we are at one. This is the verse of atonement. This is the verse of at one Okay? All right. Now, the Bodhisattva vows. This is also Buddhism talking out of both sides of its no-sided mouth, I say. You have that expression in Spanish, to talk out of both sides of your mouth? A guy who says yes to one guy, but the other side, he says no. He's kind of a liar. Yeah. I'm thinking about a translation or an equivalent, but I think that... Has two faces, we sometimes say. Split tongue? Split tongue, yes. In Zen, we always talk about our split tongue. I say yes, I say no, but there's a way beyond yes and no. This chant says it too. To save all sentient beings, though beings numberless, our task as bodhisattvas is to help all the sentient beings. Some people coming from Christian background, especially in the United States where there's a lot of confusion, maybe a lot of people coming from Catholicism too, sometimes go, oh, saving, I don't like that word. It, it reminds me of my old religion. I say, I don't care about your old religion. I have no problem with your old religion. Saving means to help, to rescue. Part of Buddhism is not about us. People who sit just to feel their good, their peace, are missing something vital in this practice. This practice has to be about all of us, like we're in a lifeboat in the ocean. You can't just think about your own survival. For the, everyone in the lifeboat, we must work together. But here's the thing. How do you save the sentient beings? 
you teach them what I just told you about atonement, that there is never anything lacking from the start. There is nobody in need of saving. Yes, I know it's hard to get your head around, but part of what we need to teach people in order to rescue them is that they're not in need of rescue because nothing is truly lacking. On the other hand, these days, in this world, there's a lot lacking. People without food, people without houses, people without a peaceful place to sleep, people without health care. So you have to do both according to the modern interpretation of this chant. You can't just t tell people, oh, you know, you have no food, but in the Buddha's world, you don't need food. Sorry, people in this world need food. You can't tell people, there's a place, a cosmic place beyond heat and cold, beyond rain and sunshine. That's true in Buddhist teachings. On the other hand, it's raining, he needs a house. It's cold, he needs clothing. So this teaching also shows us that we are to save the sentient beings by teaching them that there's nothing in need of saving from the beginning. This universe really has nothing lacking, but from the other side of the mouth, there's a lot lacking. Give them food, give them shelter, give them medical care. By the way, you're both researchers and doing good things. That work is for helping people. Don't think that it means necessarily you have to go out now and it's about making bread. If you're doing research to help this world, if you and your job at home are doing a small thing to make this world better every day, this is Bodhisattva's work. If you get on a bus and the taxi driver or the bus driver is there and he's looking like you have a bad day, you give him a smile and he smiles back, that also is this vow. But listen to what it said, though beings numberless. Part of this teaching is there's nobody in need of saving from the first. The job's already done. Part of this teaching is it's never finished. It's impossible to fix this world. This world's crazy. I think everybody agrees. Every time you think you got one problem nailed down, I open the newspaper or the TV, five more problems. We are making this world better, I think, but yet it never ends. The Bodhisattva knows this. He lives in this world beyond it all. We say he's in this world, but not of it. The Bodhisattva knows this realm where there is nothing in need of fixing. He knows this realm where there is nothing lacking. There is no war. There is no hunger. Just take my word for it. At the same time, the Bodhisattva, I have to talk loudly because the helicopter from the military base, which is keeping us safe from the enemies of our, of our country here, is flying over because there are wars in this world. You can hear the helicopter. Good timing. I, I, special effects, I paid for that. Um, 
in this world there is war, there is hunger. It never ends. We must keep trying to stop it. Never war from the first. Never hunger. Endless war, endless hunger. Every day we make this world a little better. Someday the Buddhism talks about the pure land, which is kind of a Buddhist heaven. They could talk in Christianity, the kingdom of God. Maybe this planet, actually, we can get pretty close if we keep working at it. We can make the pure land or the kingdom of God here. We must keep trying. That's what this says. To save all sin human beings, though being is numberless. To transform all delusions, though delusions inexhaustible. Delusions is when we see this world with our greed and our anger and our divisive thinking, it never ends. At the same time, it was never there from the start. But every day there's another chance for greed and for anger or for your divisive thinking. It never ends. And that's another opportunity for you to go the good way. Endless practice is this way. We sit in completeness. The practice never ends. If you're going to remember one thing I said today, that's it. We sit in completeness and wholeness. There is nothing to fix. The fixing never stops. Keep on fixing. Step by step. It's a little bit of your life. I know you got a job you're working on. You were telling me about before, and you also have some programs. You finish that, you know, you're going to have the next thing in your life, and the next thing, and the next thing. You're never going to get there. None of us are ever going to get there. Who here is waiting for that day when finally everything's in order and their life, their retirement is there, and uh, now they can sit back and relax? Guess what? The great Buddhist teaching is, it's here right now. You have arrived, and it never stops. How wise is that to say, a housewife's work is never done. There's always another dish to wash and another window to clean, right? It's the house husband too, by the way. It never stops. Every Dish is total completeness. There is nothing to clean from the start. That's our crazy teaching. If you don't like it, you better find some other guru because that's all I got here. <laughs> we are there from the beginning and it never stops. So delusions never cease. To save all sentient beings, though beings numberless. To transform all delusions, though delusions inexhaustible. To perceive reality, though reality is boundless. Same thing. You can, in this teaching, perceive all of reality. You can experience as if you're holding it all in a grain of sand on your fingers. The entire everything. We have an expression in English, again, I, I don't, Kionin tells me it's okay to say this in Mexico too, the whole enchilada. You ever hear that? That's an American, Americanism, I know it's terrible. It means everything. Sorry, Kionin. 
we can perceive everything in a moment of sitting is so complete and whole with nothing lacking. You can perceive everything at the same time. How can you see the whole world? You can travel and travel and travel. You can't even see every corner of the room you live in. This is our teaching again. To save all sentient beings, though beings numberless, to transform all delusions, though delusions inexhaustible, to perceive reality, though reality is boundless, to attain the enlightened way, a way not attainable. We're trying all the time to be Buddha-like in our conduct. Buddha never makes a mistake. Buddha is never greedy. Buddha never has an angry thought. Buddha is perfect, basically. We're trying to head in that direction because we're just human beings who do things like get drunk and kill people with our car or just occasionally get angry at our wife or leave our socks by the bed like I was talking about before. Buddha never left his socks by the bed, I think. I do. Buddha never forgot his kesa at the start and had to run like a madman to put it on. I think he was always perfectly dressed. So we try to be more like Buddha. Guess what? From the other side of the coin, you are already Buddha. You have been from the start. You just don't realize it. It's obvious, but rarely perceived. What am I talking about? The same thing. There's that wholeness, that perfection, that completeness, where there is no anger, there is no greed. You're already there. It's already you. Part of our practice is to realize that. At the same time, it's not you. Talking out of both sides of our mouth. Because you're a human being who messes up, has good days and bad days, good thoughts and bad thoughts. Our karma is not only our actions, it's also our thoughts and the things we say. You say bad things, you think bad things, you think good things. So you're not Buddha. You are Buddha. You're not Buddha. Wait a second. It's like, you ever see this in a TV show where they go, not Buddha. He is Buddha. Not Buddha. He is Buddha. No, it's very schizophrenic. That hurt. Maybe that's the 40 blows that the teacher is supposed to give to the student. There's nothing lacking. There's nothing about this teaching that's not right before our eyes. And yet, and yet, and yet, every moment we keep practicing. That's what these chants are about. Now, very quickly, let me talk about the dedication that we say. I'm just going to... As part of the bank account, in old Chinese Buddhism, you could do good things and you'd get to bank account, and when you die, good birth or bad birth. Well, part of it was called the dedication of merit. You could actually give your good karma to somebody else. Like I can give you, from my bank account, I can loan you or give you a gift of money. You could give your good karma to somebody else. So originally these dedications were when we chant the Heart Sutra, we get good karma and I can dedicate it to somebody. It's nice because the best things are to give away, like a, a present. So that was the original thought of this dedication. 
I think at least we're in our hearts, we're, we're hoping that what we're doing here has good effects. So it's still a dedication. So what do we, when we chant, we dedicate this with the hope that it has a good effect. To what? First off, to the ancestors. We say thank you. We, we list the names here. You saw me get down and bow. I'm not bowing to this silly statue here. I'm bowing to the whole world in humility saying thank you for lifting me up every day. When I get down on the ground, I'm not, I don't care this thing. This is a piece of wood. I'm not bowing to this. I'm getting down to the ground and saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's what you saw. And I say thank you to these, this list of names here. We have uh, Shakyamuni Buddha. He's uh, the founder. Thanks for coming up with all this. And Dogen. He's our big Zen guy here. And my teacher, Guda Wafu, and his teacher, Reponiwa. He's the guy who wrote that kanji up there. Thank you. We don't actually know all the names of the ancestors going back. When we have our Rohats uh, next time, we'll chant. I think I'm number 96 in the lineage, 96 generations to me from Buddha. We don't actually know who these most of we, we know about 20 of them. And then, you know, like, do you know 20 generations back who your grandfather was? Yeah, well, right. But 70 generations back, according to DNA, we're all related, right? That's what the... You actually go back just a few generations. Everyone in the world is related to everybody in the world. Everybody was your grandfather somewhere. It's true. But anyway, we're off, this, uh, off this, the subject. There were people going back who kept these teachings alive, generation, generation, developed them. We just say thank you. That's all this is. We also say thank you to the Buddha, the Dharma. The Dharma is the Buddha's teachings and about reality and the Sangha, the community. So we say, we also dedicate these efforts to the three treasures, Buddha, Dharma, the Buddha, the Buddha's teachings, and the community of fellow practitioners. And to all awakened ones and teachers in all places and times. Your teachers are not just the teachers in school or me. Everybody teaches everyone in this world, even the people who give you a hard time, the most difficult people in your life, teaching you. We say thank you. We thank all awakened ones and all teachers of all kinds everywhere. Um, we wish well to people who are suffering. We wish people uh, well to people who are violence, uh, suffering violence. That came from Bernie Glassman, by the way. I think that's part of the Peacemaker Order. I got from what my mentor, uh, Doshin Cantor, was a member of the Peacemakers, and we used to chant that. So I, I took that from Bernie Glassman. Uh, but basically we're saying, we dedicate our hopes and aspirations to all victims of war and violence and natural events. We used to just say war here. I added violence and natural events to cover earthquakes and all kinds of violence. For the compassion of our world leaders, if, I have, if there's any merit from what we're doing here, if it helps bring a little sense and peace to our world leaders, I'm all for it. So that's what I'm doing here. We're dedicating this for world peace. 
And we hope that compassion blooms in perpetual spring in the world, that we may all realize and live the enlightened way together. And then we dedicate again to all Buddhas and throughout space and time, all Bodhisattvas and who are great, great beings and teachers, and to the perfection of wisdom. I guess the perfection of wisdom is the realization of that wholeness and completeness where nothing is lacking. That's what we're doing here. Okay, anyway, uh, we got a few minutes, and I, I'd love to take questions now, both from the folks here. If you, if you want to ride back, you, you need to think of a question. It's part of, it's part of the fee. Or uh, anyone at home, anyone have a question? Raise your hand. Uh, yeah, we will take one here and then kill it. Go. How can you overcome or help overcome this greed that is the cause of so much pain? Learn satisfaction. Learn moderation in your desires. Contrary to some beliefs, Buddhism is not being free of all desires. If you had no desire to get out of bed and eat uh, or to have children, if you're not a monk, we would have no human race. We would starve. It's about excess desire. The need for your 17th pair of new shoes, for example, when we, basically you need shoes as something to keep your feet warm and walk in. That's the, the difference. Living simply, living in moderation, and with satisfaction, knowing the satisfaction of Zazen, where nothing is lacking. That's what we do. Balance, moderation, satisfaction. Is that it? it takes practice, and it never ends, because every time I go into the store, Temptations in the department store are endless. I vow to be endlessly satisfied. That's my vow. Okay. Kionin, you had one? Yes, uh, it's about enlightenment. We vow to achieve enlightenment, even though we know it may never come. How can we... Um, don't lose track of what we're doing or inspiration to still work towards um, enlightenment. Oh, you didn't hear a word I said, did you, Conan? I said you're already <laughs> enlightened. Oh, right. You're, you're already enlightened. You're, uh, what, what, there's nothing lacking, whole and complete. You are a Buddha. If that's not the definition of enlightenment, I don't know what it is. <laughs> Oh, that was my other question. How to um, explain someone new to Buddhism what enlightenment is without all this uh, uh, Pali and, and Sanskrit jargon? Yeah, well, that's hard. Isn't that what we do here every day? That's our whole... <laughs> that's all we do from morning till night around here. We learn the practice of sitting in completeness and wholeness, Zazen with nothing more to achieve, nothing lacking, to realize this wholeness and completeness, this light that's already shining. At the same time, talking out of the other side of my mouth, we're just human beings 
Every day we have a choice. We can be, even in Buddhism too, you can be the Mara, you can be the devil, or you can be the angel. Every choice you got to make. Oh, there's somebody's wallet on the ground. Nobody's looking. I could just take this cash. Nobody would know. Or I could return the wallet. Endless choices. Oh, I'm getting angry. I can feed the anger or I can step away. Endless opportunities to be Buddha. The road to enlightenment, so long as you are a bodhisattva, so long as you are a human being, understand this, never ends. It's one temptation, one crossroads, one place to fall down after another. On the other hand, already Buddha, there is no place to fall. You're already in the safety net. Both. Both come together. Any other question? It's okay. So let me leave you just with this. We sit Zazen to realize the wholeness and completeness where nothing is lacking. A kind of light that is shining where no anger is possible. There's no greed in our hearts because there's no hole to fill. When you sit in such completeness, when you sit, sit with no other place to go, nothing to attain beyond this, you taste for a moment that it is just this. Okay, now we get up from Zazen. Clean our house. Fix the things in our lives that need fixing. Fix our marriages. Fix our relationships. Fix this world. In this moment of sitting Zazen, there's no war. There's no peace in small human terms. It's a peace. I sometimes say the big P peace that holds all the, the wars and peace of this world. Great. Good. Enjoy it. Then get up. Get off your butt. Get out there. Bring peace in this world. Reconciliation. Harmony. We do both. Bodhisattvas live with one foot in the Buddha world, one foot in the mud. The lotus flower, one of our symbols. Right there, you have some lotuses. They rise from the mud. It's not like they escape the mud. They're nourished by the mud. They bring beauty to the mud. They are never separate from the mud or they die. The lotus flower. The bodhisattva lives one foot in heaven, if you want to say Buddha land, one foot in the mud. That's where we are. That's our practice. Okay? No more question? Okay. Would you do the chant to close the sutra, which you'll hear is also a dedication to the Buddhas, the great bodhisattvas, and the perfection of wisdom. Thank you for joining us for the Tree Leaf Zendo podcast. 
TreeLeaf is an online practice place for people who cannot easily attend a Zen center due to health, location, work, childcare, or family needs. We provide netcast Zazen, retreats, discussion, Jukai, the support of fellow practitioners, interaction with a teacher, and all other activities of a Zen Buddhist Sangha, all fully online, accessible anytime, anywhere, without charge. Come build the future of online Zen community and practice.